Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Romans chapter 2. And today we have a special guest. We have Devin back with us, Devin Morris. Uh, You met him last week. He was with us last Monday, I believe. Is that correct, Devin? Yeah, it came up on Tuesday. We record on Monday, but it came up on Tuesday. So it kind of threw me off, man. So it was Tuesday's reading last week. We had a good time uh, looking at the beginning. We started, we kicked off Romans last week. uh, Yeah, we did. That podcast, chapter one. So today we delve into chapter two. Just a real quick reminder of where we are in Romans. We've had the introduction to Romans where Paul introduces himself. We have Paul who talks about the condition of the Gentiles. Uh, there in chapter 1, 18 through 32. Uh, so he's talking about the Gentiles who uh, basically is this litany of sins that they're accused of. They had served the create, uh, the created rather than the creator. Uh, we talked about in the podcast last week that you become like what you worship. It warps you and molds you. So if you're worshiping idols, it turns you into something that God never intended for you. You become subhuman in a lot of ways. And now he turns his guns on the Jews. So I'm going to read the passage now like we always do. We're just doing the first four verses of Romans 2. And then uh, we'll have a little discussion with Devin about some interpretation of this passage. This is the English Standard Version. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. You suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you suppose or presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So, Devin, we'll just start with verse 1. Anything that you see there, some interesting points. I know maybe some transition from chapter one to chapter two, some differences in language. Do you see that would be important? Yes. And uh, that goes from the, you know, I like to think about who the audience is. And so in, at the end of chapter one there, you have kind of the third person, like he's talking about another group of people in chapter two. It's like, he's addressing someone specifically. And what we call that is diatribe. So you have genre and you have form, Uh, when it comes to literary structure. And so Romans, the genre is a letter. It's an epistle. But then within that genre, within the letter, you're going to have different forms of literary features. And this is called a diatribe. And a diatribe is almost like Paul is setting up an imaginary opponent and then speaking against that opponent. You can see that kind of language he's using. You know, he's, there's almost this sarcastic overtone calling referring to this opponent as oh the one who judges and you're judging but look you you deserve to be judged too uh and so it's kind of that transition from chapter one to chapter two is this um form he's he's going from this teaching and instructing to now uh this imaginary opponent that he's arguing against i think that's a very good tool it's a very good instructional tool to set up this hypothetical person so it's not so much accusatory to the person he's talking to. Right. Yeah. Where they're, they're hearing this conversation between Paul and this ma- imaginary Jewish opponent uh, and everything that Paul brings out in his accusation against this Jewish opponent was very common in the first century. Some of their attitudes toward Gentiles 
very accurate in how he portrays it. Paul being a Jew himself, I mean, he's a card-carrying Jew of all things. I mean, if you think about it, he was a Pharisee. He was a, a follower of, of Gamaliel. So he's a guy that has his Jewish credentials. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So this is home base for him. And in verse 1, I find it humorous that, you know, by their judgment of another. So imagine this Jewish person he's talking to is looking down upon the Gentile and judging the Gentile for their adultery and sin. And then Paul says, by your judgment of another, it brings judgment on yourself. And I find that humorous because back in chapter one, he mentioned the sins of the Gentiles being pride and boastfulness. And so by them being judgmental, they're being prideful and boastful. So they're condemning themselves in a sense. Right. Well, and then part of that argument, you know, if, if you're reading it or hearing it, um, I think several commentators, I think you brought this up before and, and I read it in a recent commentary, you know, if as a Jew, you're reading Paul kind of nail the Gentiles for what they're doing and you're cheering about it. Well, that would really be continued into chapter two because all that he's saying is, you know, Oh man, Oh, you judge. And so I'm sure even to some degree, the Jews are still cheering, still cheering until you get to chapter two and verse 17, where it says, but you call yourself a Jew. And you know, right there, they've just got to like, stop in their tracks and say, Oh wow. This whole time he's been talking about me. It's a great, I mean, I'm sure you've used that in preaching too. You know, you can talk about somebody almost in an abstract kind of way. And then all of a sudden you bring it right home and it's, Oh, this actually applies to me. This is the way that I'm living. And yeah. yeah, So those, the sins that the Jews are now participating in were the exact sins that they accused the Gentiles of participating in and, and, and condemned them for. They're all a part of it. And it's a great device. You're right. I think it's it's a brilliant way he's doing it. And we mentioned before that this is very timely because the Jews had been expelled from Rome under Claudius around 49 AD. So they're coming home. We, we don't know exactly when they come back, but they come back early 50s maybe. And so now you have this divided church. So within this assembly, this letter is being read and you've got these two different groups in opposition to each other. Mm-hmm. So I find that humorous too, that they oh, yeah. get them, Paul, you know, get them. And then all of a sudden Paul's like, nope, that's you. Mm-hmm. I think of Nathan, the prophet, when he tells the story to David about the guy that takes the lamb, uh, the, the little sheep from the guy that was so precious to him. And David's like, that guy should pay. And then Nathan turns and looks at him and says, you're that guy, David, you're the one. So Paul's putting him on the hook here. And then verse two, um, the judgment of God rightly falls why do you think he brings out god's judgment rightly falling i think it was something that if you're a jew that's what you agree with i mean that's old testament teaching right there yeah god's going to punish those um who are who who do evil they're not gonna they're not gonna fight paul on that what they're probably gonna fight him on is what that train of logic brings them to is that just because of who they are in a sense related to that they're not going to, going to be judged in that same way. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And I think it's interesting. I had to do a paper on the wisdom of Solomon a few years ago, and there's a section in the wisdom of Solomon toward the end. Of, the reason this is important is wisdom of Solomon was written before the first century. And it was very popular among the Jews. We know Paul quotes wisdom of Solomon in Ephesians uh, chapter six. So Paul likes wisdom of Solomon. He uses it a good bit. Uh, it's what we would consider part of the Apocrypha, I guess, in the, the mm-hmm. Catholic Bible. But in, in the Wisdom of Solomon, there's this section where it talks about, in some sense, the Jews may not fall under God's judgment. Like, they can sin, 
and they, in a sense, get a free out because they're God's people. They're God's chosen right. people. And so Paul's drawing out here going, God's judgment is just, and it's going to fall on everyone, including you guys. Uh, so right. this is revolutionary for them because it's easy for them to pass judgment on the Gentiles and say, well, God's judgment and wrath will come down on the Gentile people, but not on us because of our badges of Judaism. You know, he'll get to that later. Circumcision, kosher dietary food laws, holy days, those badges make us the in crowd while you guys are outside. Paul's saying God's judgment is going to be just on everyone. It's going to fall completely on every person, no matter what your ethnicity may be. Right. And that, that's something he gets down to at the end of chapter two as well. So I know we can't jump there exactly, but oh yeah, this idea of, you know, no partiality. It's just because you think you've got a special relationship because you, um, you know, let's make kind of nowadays application just because you attend church regularly or just because you read your Bible regularly, or maybe you even pray regularly. Those things do not necessitate salvation. They don't necessitate, oh, I've got the relationship with God. You yeah. know what I mean? We have the same badges of of honor, too, like they did in Judaism. Oh, we sure do, yeah. They're cert- you're right. You know, it's, man, if I do stuff. certain things, if, if I teach a Bible class, oh, man, yeah, that there's a jewel in my crown, you know? Yep. And I just that's just not how God works. It's according to each man's work. So there's this level playing field and yeah. we should trust God's judgment because it's not arbitrary. It's not hypocritical. Whenever we judge others, it's, it's arbitrary. We don't know all the facts. We don't know their heart. It's also hypocritical because a lot of times we're practicing the same sin they're practicing, but God's judgment is truly just, mm-hmm. truly just. So in verse three, he brings out, once again, O man, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? So once again, he's talking to them about you're not, don't think you're going to escape the judgment of God. You're practicing these same sins. There's no special covering for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that. I think you brought up, it's not like he's getting angry. That's just like a, a rhetorical way of asking this question. Hey, in, in how you interpret the law, do you think that you can do the same things that other people are going to be condemned for, you know, based on the, what you know about the judgment of God? You know, it's, you know, it's, we talk about, he's, he's kind of making this argument, but he's not necessarily like mad. He's not like yelling at somebody. It's just think about this logically for a second. Do you think that you can go on sinning? Is that even a possibility? You know, it's, it's a really cool way to, to kind of lay out this argument. And I think where he's driving us in Romans is he is going to drop us right at the feet of Christ. He's going to yeah. strip away all yeah. hope. And he's mm-hmm. going to say, okay, you Jew are hopeless. You Gentile are hopeless. And the only answer is Jesus. The only answer is Christ. Um, you get to Romans 8. I know we're preaching to that right now, but you get to Romans 8. He, there, there's your answer. You know, mm-hmm. It's in Christ uh, is the only yeah, definitely. we have. So verse 4, the Jews ought to know this. I mean, verse 4. God's kindness and forbearance and patience and kindness leads people to repentance. So do you think maybe there's some opposition? Almost like Jonah. You know, Jonah was upset because God didn't destroy Nineveh. And he wanted God to go get him, right? So yeah. maybe there's that attitude among the Jews. God judged the Gentiles. Don't have mercy toward them. Paul's mission is to <laughs> these Gentiles, right? So that would put him in hot water with some Jews. Why are you going to these pagans you know why would god show mercy to them and so paul's reminding them maybe 
of their own past. Sure. Yeah. And really questioning what is the purpose of God's goodness? Uh, is it just so that he can continually lavish that goodness on the Jews because they're descendants of Abraham? Is it just, be, you know, is his goodness just reserved for these types of people? Or what is the purpose of goodness? Is it just to continually give you good gifts? Well, no, it's, it's to actually lead you to repentance. His goodness is supposed to remind you of who, who your father is. And it's not about, uh, it's not about you and what you can gain for yourself. It's, it's to lead you to him. So metanoia there, repentance. How would you explain that to people? I know that's a churchy word, repentance. Yeah. Well, the way, and I always do it in a youth class, it's you're walking one direction and you turn around and go the other. It's like I'm, you could be walking into the door of that party, but you decide, nope, I'm turning around and leaving. You can understand what that, the whole thought process is, the whole emotion behind that one choice, right? Either choosing to go into the party or turning around and, and, and going home or going to a, a better situation, better circumstance. That should be the change of heart, the same emotion that comes over you uh, that's involved in repentance. Is I'm going one way, but I'm deciding, no, that's, that's not the way I want to live. That's not the way I want to be. I'm going home. I'm going back to where I belong. It's a good, really good example. Um, so a change in mind, we think metanoia thought. So change in my, my mental processes that leads to action. It just doesn't yeah. stay up in my head. It right. leads to action. And so that's what God's kindness and mercy is all about. God wants us to repent. That's the bottom line. Everyone, Jew, mm-hmm. Gentile alike. And we would say as Christians, as we kind of close out today, we would call everyone to repentance and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. Mm-hmm. And then the only answer. Right. And, and uh, I think what often forces a person to, to come into repentance is what we say hit rock bottom, hit, hit the lowest point. And that's part of like you've already brought up that Paul's doing here. Like bring you as low as you can go. And it's, it's not for the purpose of just making you feel bad. It's not for the purpose of beating you up and reminding you and throwing it in your face that you've got sin in your life. It's for the purpose of going back to God, of you realizing, wow, I'm not really a great, good person. The only thing that is good is God. And for me to be a part of that at all is to be with him. Amen. I couldn't say it any better, Devin. I appreciate you today, my friend. It's yeah, been, no it's problem. Been fun again doing this. Yeah, I like going to try to make it make this a habit. I hope. Let's do it every Tuesday, man. I'm up for it. All right, brother. Well, I'm thankful for Devin. Thankful for our listeners, and I would love for you to come back uh, tomorrow. Uh, we will delve into chapter two again. We'll look at verses five through eleven. So, if you want to read ahead, uh, we've got some heavy hitting stuff coming tomorrow too. But uh, Devin, thank you once again, brother. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.